3: Ladies and gentlemen, chairman speaking,
1: welcome passengers at Kemble A51, Great Western Railway Service to Chatham Spa. Our well. next stop in around 15 minutes time will be Stroud. Once again due to the short platform, rear seven coaches only. If you are travelling in Coach L at the front of the train you need to move back to Coach K in
3: order to alight. Thank you. Hey, thanks for downloading episode three of Excuse the Mess. Excuse the Mess is supported using public funding by the National Lottery through Arts Council England. It's also gratefully supported by PRS Foundation. As a listener of ETM, you can get yourself a discount on all of your music gear when you shop with Red Dog Music. Just type in Excuse the Mess, all lowercase or one word, to get 5% off, or give them a call and get haggling. I'm really excited to bring you this episode. Last week I headed to Stroud to visit one of my favourite composers, Emily Hall, I had photographer Max Edelman in tow who you'll hear on occasion mainly interacting with Emily's new kitten. He took some really lovely pictures of us walking around the Stroud countryside which is where our first chat took place and you can find those on the ETM website which is etmpodcast.com It was a really inspiring day and this is a really jam-packed episode. We talked about Emily's background her upcoming release, Life Cycle also her first album, Folie de one of my favourite albums over the last year There's a little cameo from her husband, David Shepard. He works in sound design and has collaborated with Emily on several projects. We also talk about her new duo Mandel and her upcoming commission for the London Sinfonietta. A while ago, Emily shared a great article by Grace Banks, written for The Quietus. It was titled, How Studios Subliminally Silence Women. I guess this acted as a springboard for a lot of discussion surrounding this subject. Really important topic. Uh, I'll put a link to the article in the podcast info. It's really worth checking out. We touch upon this topic in our initial chat when we were walking around Stroud and then over lunch we discuss it in a bit more detail. But That's going to go out as a separate episode, just a 20-minute thing. And make sure you go and listen to that too. And here it is, episode three with the wonderful Emily Hall. Ladies and
1: gentlemen, it's now approaching Stroud. Once again, you to these slightly short platform. Coach Al at the front of the train will remain locked. Please move back okay, to to
3: Right. So, how are we doing?
2: This
4: way.
5: You okay there? Yeah.
3: Um, Brilliant. So, how muddy is this?
5: I've got a sort of root in my head. Cool. But it's not too. Yeah. Hi.
3: We're gonna have lots of guests on this, aren't we?
5: Yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, yeah. Thanks for doing today, Emily. Oh, my pleasure. Really looking forward to it. Yeah,
4: where are we?
5: (laughs) Okay, we're on Bisley Road in Stroud. We're just walking out of the old town, really, into the countryside, which is called the heavens. There's an amazing cemetery here with an amazing chapel, which is actually for sale which i oh, really? to. Oh, really?
3: You're going to move?
5: <laughs> I'd love to. Um, it's so amazing. <laughs> Actually, maybe i have to show it to you. I mean, you. It's so cool. Seems it's, got, like there's it's, a... got, it's got Art Centre written all
3: over Oh, it. great. Oh. This seems like there's a theme there in where you like to live, because on the way here you were talking about <laughs> how uh, your house at the moment used to be a place of rest. So well,
5: that was one of its guises. It was a builder's you know, premises and yard and workshop in the 19th century. Um... A lot of builders did, did deal with shifting bodies around, you know, because right. they're strong. Right. So it was quite common for those two worlds to coincide. Did you learn
3: that history after moving into this place then?
5: <laughs> it came up actually. It came up. Yeah, it came With an estate the de- agent? In the de- not, not the estate agent. But it came up in the no, D. De- and we kind of were like, that. hmm, house of rest. That <laughs> yeah. sounds.
3: Okay, it's fine. But I'd say you haven't told the kids. Do you <laughs> no, think told how old? The kids. How old are the kids? Uh,
5: the kids are five and nine.
3: Okay, so probably yeah. It, wait till yeah. you they go through. I guess I'll have to edit this part out of the podcast if I <laughs> listen to <laughs> it. <laughs> we'll, look,
5: we'll go so, this way.
3: But we're we're entering a graveyard now. Yeah. Unexpected for <laughs> this little expedition.
5: So this is the Daisy Bank. This is really great little communal <laughs> yeah. and kids just play here. Without their parents, which is amazing. That's, uh, that surreal. doesn't
3: exist anywhere, really, does it? I yeah, mean,
5: it does here. It's hard so. to find,
3: right? So you get to, yeah, be chilled, a chilled parent.
5: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah.
3: Um, that has actually just sort of linked me into thinking about life cycle.
5: Yeah.
3: But um, maybe just before we talk about that, before we go into details of yeah. things, things in your music, maybe let's um, just get a, a little bit of a history on. Well, your music journey began and that sort of thing. Where did you grow up?
5: I grew up in Lewis, in East Sussex. And there was a lot of violins just lying around in our house for some reason. Well, I yeah. came from a big family and I think, you know how it is, you end up, people just give you violins all the time. <laughs> so we had all <laughs> these violins and so I picked one up and... Um, and oh so just down here and then to the right and then we'd get into the country bit and yeah i you know had lessons etc i remember what, i remember f- figuring out packbell's cannon once and just having this kind of like ah! oh, moment okay. um
3: so you're jamming along with yeah. that <laughs> and
5: that was like <laughs> oh my god this is amazing and yeah i mean my parents were Really good friends with Jonathan Harvey, because he lived, oh, wow. like, on our street. And so I, I knew that people composed, you know? Yeah. I knew yeah. it was a, an avenue, so I think that was quite for, formative in a way. Yeah. Because I, I just knew it was something you could do. It um, was
3: that, what age was that sort of realisation, um, that actually people can earn money from that? Because they don't really tell you that at the careers office <laughs> at school, do <dear>. You can <laughs> be a composer or...
5: That's true. A, ...a dustman. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah, I guess you know. I I I would seen his studio, and oh, I'd right. been quite excited yeah. by that, and seen all his you know stuff laid out, and it felt like yeah a concrete thing, you know. Yeah, that's um, amazing.
3: That is an early introduction to you know one of one of the greats, really. Yeah, yeah.
5: yeah and he's a he he was a very kind and of gentle man, obviously, and uh-huh. so he was always really sweet and you know. Once I kind of had become a bit more interested when I was a teenager. He was always so sweet and he you know, he
3: Did you see him as a mentor of sorts? Was uh, you, would you have, like, that sort of exchange?
5: We d- I mean, weirdly, I think we did... I, I weirdly ended up on a course with him once in a place called Royamore. Have you thought uh-huh. of Royamore? Just uh, outside Paris. And no, he was a tutor on it. So right. he, was, he was my teacher for, you know, a couple of weeks. So I sort of had that experience as well. Okay. Around the time my Master's. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that was, so Masters, so did degree at York. Yes. It's a nice free creative course. Um, and not not too much being told how to do it, you know. So it really suited me.
3: Um, yeah, that sounds great. Are you a bit approaches. rebellious? Do you not like being told what to do and um, how to write and how to be creative Yeah,
5: I mean I'm just not very good at following instructions, so Okay.
3: okay. That's <laughs> convenient.
5: <laughs> so it kind of needs to be on my my terms, you yeah, know. Yeah, sure. Um So anyway, yeah, then then I did go to Paris for a year after my degree because I had this kind of I don't know, I had this kind of romantic need to go there. Yeah. <laughs> and and um I did a mixture of things. I was like an au pair for a bit and then I was um, busking in the underground with a, a string orchestra. Great. But also having... I met some other composers and they were at the conservatoire and somehow it was fine for yeah. me to go along to their lectures. I don't know how. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't <laughs> very legit. But you blagged it. Anyway, so I kind of had a bit... I dipped my toe in that world a little bit feel like it stayed with me a bit like I got really into spectralism and I, okay, right. I decided I wanted to know all about it and I got really you know like I, I really studied it right there, sorry I realized we're <laughs> in a, this is the worst bit <laughs> wow. this is the worst bit
3: this is this is the gauntlet a great in the wet, do you want to go first do you yeah, wanna I go? Do. yeah
5: I, do I, you I like always that. find after a while it's best just to run <laughs> but I guess he's got an expensive camera hasn't he
3: He's a nimble man. He'll
5: be fine. <laughs> yeah,
3: God, he's going to hate me for this.
5: Sorry, I'm so, like, wrapped up in talking about my biography. I didn't even <laughs> realise that this I haven't project.
3: seen anything that we've been walking past. <laughs> I've just been listening to you. It's my
5: fascinating biography. That's good. Biography.
3: <laughs> yeah, so where did we get up to?
5: Um, Paris.
3: Yes. Um, so yeah, I
5: got really into spectralism, and I, and I and I just wanted to know about it, and so I kind of... I, I sort of really... Just found out about it, but then there was lots about that world, which, oh, you know, like so, ear felt so kind of male-dominated, and uh-huh, yeah. you know, and there was a lot of kind of patriarchal stuff going on in the sort of French contemporary music scene sure. at that time. Is it kind of ingrained in which it, which, looking back at it, kind of, yeah, it. I sort of feel like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and sure were you able? Now. Were you
3: able to give any pushback at that time? Not really, no. Yeah.
5: I, I sort of accepted it.
3: Yeah. I've
6: got a really bad knee at the
5: moment. Uh, and
4: I'm an old
6: man. I'm really an old man. 92.
5: <laughs> oh, i yeah. yeah. We <laughs> will it. Look, go a slightly different way back, well, well, okay, especially if you've got up. a bad knee. Yeah, yeah it's fine. Really, Is that really. um, okay? Yeah,
6: yeah, yeah.
5: Yeah. Over there and then up. You right.
3: This, this what is going to sound great on the podcast. Great. Shame we're not talking about anything interesting right now. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Should we go back? Yeah. Pick a topic. Absolutely. Um, okay. So, yeah, that, I, that's what we're talking about is that scene in yeah, Paris right. and the patriarchal sort
5: yeah. of. Yeah. Although, actually, having said that, um, I remember Kaya K- 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 Sayaho was being played a lot when I was there. And Okay. And, I, you know, I really like her music and, you know, I mustn't sort of conveniently look back at things. But when I did go into ear cam a few times and it was, like, full of men in black polo necks. and right. I just wonder, you know, yeah. on some level if that was fitting, you know.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, this is something I wanted to talk to you about later because you'd shared a Grace Banks article for The Quietest on Twitter. Oh, yeah. I had a read of that. I thought, yeah, I mean, I'm just so glad I read it because there's it's just so ingrained that whole uh, I mean if anyone doesn't know the article it's basically about being a woman in the music industry and I mean it goes wider than that doesn't it but
5: particularly in sort of sound and technology yeah
3: and it's a brilliant article and really well articulated her points about um, studio environments being just set up for the man
5: yeah absolutely
3: Um, and yeah there's just there's a lot of hey <laughs> <laughs> funny about pooches
5: funny about hats yeah. oh okay
3: hats yeah. this hat
5: hello
3: doggies <laughs> this is great you wouldn't get this in Crystal yeah. Palace they're Lose. lovely
5: yeah. oh, my god nice.
6: oh
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a bonus
2: yeah yeah, right.
3: yeah. thanks for bringing them along
2: <laughs> it's fun. we see Eternity. this is
3: eternity sung by Olivia Cheney
2: the sun is free to flow with the sea it's so
5: To go along that footpath. I've never been along it, I'm All right. Not sure how you get to that one.
4: Which footpath
5: is over oh, there? Yeah, you see
3: the uh, yeah. okay. Well, I guess we that goes go out in a
5: good way. place, but I just don't know how you get to it. I think it might just be to the side of the river. Should we yeah. try?
3: Yeah, Oh, this side of the river. I think we should maybe uh talk about that whole situation, yeah. Um, yeah, but maybe we'll talk about it later, maybe okay. over a bit of lunch if you yeah. don't mind chatting yeah, over yeah, lunch. Absolutely. Because um, I think it'd be great to get your views on yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, that'd be because, great, that'd be great. Um, it's like important, isn't it? Yeah. Especially in, well, especially every year, but particularly this year, being a big one for uh, women's rights and yeah. this sort of thing.
5: There's a new awareness, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's, so much of it is about the kind of, the not obvious things, the things we just take for granted. And That's it. then when you sort of look back on them and go, hang on,
3: hmm... Yeah. yeah, that article highlighted a lot of. Yeah, exactly,
5: that. exactly. It's not you know we're not talking Weinstein here. Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. Just, <laughs> it, we're just talking cultural things that it, are worth noticing. You know,
3: both men and women should be kind of reading these things and hearing about, not hearing these discussions. I think. Yeah. Because for me, it was quite eye-opening and. It's sort of like trying to reprogram your brain a bit.
5: Yeah, exactly. Reboot the
3: system and, yeah. and it's, be it's, a better person.
5: Absolutely. And it's, it's women as well. You know, we can be subliminally sexist without knowing it, you know? It's not yeah. just men. <laughs> yeah, It's everybody. It but is. But it's just, it's so, some things are so culturally ingrained in us that we don't question them. Exactly. And That's... I feel like there's a lot of questioning going on at the moment, which is so brilliant and exciting.
3: Again, I think it's this thing of kind of involuntary ignorance that i think a lot of men have i don't necessarily see the the problems for being uh, a woman in the music industry because i don't come across problems yeah, as often. yeah
5: yeah 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 so yeah
3: it's an interesting one and we'll talk about it later yeah, in sorry. The con- no no it's yeah. great no in in the context of um of, of cl- the classical world as well because you've obviously got an insight into that yeah, yeah. more than anyone so yeah. um yeah i think it'd be great to get your yeah. Your stance and views. So how, how far away from the house do you reckon we are?
5: I think we're ten minutes.
3: OK, let's talk about Lifecycle. OK. That link that we made all that long ago. long ago. Long ago, long ago. That has actually just sort of linked me into thinking about, life cycle. Talking about life cycle. Just talk, talk a bit about it, tell us about it.
5: Well, I had written some stuff with... A writer, and we would become friends. Actually, he lived in Herne Hill, and I lived in Nunhead. Right. So we we became friends. And
3: who is this? Toby
5: Lit. He had children already. Mhm. And when I had Joe, my first, I went round there, and it was really just to kind of catch up and for Toby to meet Joe. And there wasn't really an agenda to make any art or anything. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of not really wasn't particularly on my mind. But then we had this chat and it's quite a kind of candid chat about the sort of transformative thing of having a baby. And like a week later, and this is quite typical of Toby, he just sent me some lyrics. (laughs) The thing about lyrics, what I find is once you have them, it's, (laughs) if they're good lyrics, they are, they are a song before you even know it. I okay, mean, they have just yeah. become a song so immediately. Yeah. Like I just have to read them and, yeah. or edit them in my mind and then suddenly they are a song and, it's like you can't, and then you can't really go back from that. And then I coincidentally got a commission at that time from Opera North to write some songs for soprano, cello and piano. We decided to develop it and make it more narrative and the whole cycle, the idea being that there's not... There's a lot of song cycles about love and death, and it, there aren't any classical song cycles about motherhood. Mm. So it felt like an interesting thing to do.
3: Yeah, it's got a really raw energy, and it's, you know, it's coming from like a, a place of true experience. Um,
5: yeah, it was. It was very. It was very raw, and and um, and it was literally written. You know like in between you know those tiny little breaks you get when you have a baby that doesn't sleep much yeah you know so it was very raw I didn't have time to overthink it yeah you know
3: it's actually Um, quite um, stripped back as well and yeah it just seems very sort of intimate Um, yeah some you know you could just have a couple of notes on the piano just the right hand and the voice and that's almost the entirety of a piece can't remember which piece exactly I'm
4: thinking about there
6: (laughs) I am alone No longer Only one I do not want to be alone I want you But not too soon I am alone But they say I can Eat for two This cake's For you And this cake's for you Too We are alone do not speak for you. We is not me. I am
3: no on voice. It's Mara Carlisle, and cello is Oliver Coates. This is I Am Alone. I
6: sing to you a lullaby. I sing to you in case you do become our other one. Come, baby.
5: Yeah. it's been such an important um piece for me it's redefined really how i write and mm-hmm. um so it just um, it's just a sort of personal mission really
3: yes yeah <laughs> the
6: cord was wrapped around
3: So it's going out on the 8th of March, yeah, is that correct? Yeah, it's coming out Bedroom there. Community? Yeah. Second release with them?
5: Is yeah, right? I mean, it's, it's not like my second release. It's because it's just coming out on their digital only, um, like they've got a digital only kind of branch, yeah. which is kind of more for things like this, which are like live kay. recordings. Oh, uh, OK. So my sort of second release with them will be something a bit more current. Oh, I see, <laughs> yeah. i kind of think, beginning to think about that now
6: they used to be a woman in this body not just me they used to be a substance to her living not just
3: Not just milk. Yeah. Yeah, that one in particular stood out for me because yeah, it's just like this, this is why I'm saying it's quite honest, uh, the music, because it's that piece is about maybe the loss of identity through yeah, being a mother.
5: Definitely, yeah. And it's accumulative and you know, it's like not just milk and carrying. And every time one thing adds you know, another phrase is added like not just milk and carrying and and saying harsh and putting down and worrying and you Mm. know when you're feeling overwhelmed sometimes it really feels like this (laughs) cyclical (laughs) list of tasks and worrying and then it's good that we're walking
3: uphill right now it really
5: i mean it's a yeah it's a while ago now for me but i think people with children under one will be able to relate to it
4: Mm.
6: to discover not just milk and carry
3: I mean, I obviously can't bear children, but it is an interesting thing to actually get, yeah, just this sort of unapologetic, um, like, this is what it's like. I think unapologetic is probably the wrong bloody word, isn't it? But, yeah, I mean, it's highs um, and
5: lows, and I think it's important to say the lows yeah. out loud for people. Exactly, know? yeah. And there's obviously way too much in the commercial world. Motherhood being this perfect time, yeah, and it can be amazing and it can be very testing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the cycle definitely, you know, highlights the highs and lows. And but mm. uh, what's well, also interesting is that the lyrics are by by a man, and he, he did a great job.
3: This is the final track on Life Cycle. It's called Field of Snow, and Emily's joining Mara on vocals.
6: Let's
4: talk about because
3: we're about to come into Misha Law. Yeah. Uh, who is in Mandel, your duo. Yeah. So this is a new thing, so can you explain actually, if for no one else, for me, yeah. what the kind of concept behind that is?
5: Yeah, we just started improvising together, and you know, she's got a similar background for me. She went to Dartington and... Right. She's actually a music therapist. Oh, brilliant. She's actually quite relevant in a way. Yeah. Because we just mindfully improvise, and okay. I mean, through her work, she's used to, um, obviously, Playing quite a supportive musical role with a lot of different people, mm. different scenarios. So, well,
3: what's, the, what's the instrumentation? to ask us. Well, we both sort of...
5: play like violin and viola and piano and okay. we just kind of jump around, but okay. um, you, it's a processing of, of stuff. It's, it, and when you're doing it, you're not thinking about anything else, you know?
3: Mm. How do you program that to be put on as an event? Do yeah. you record your improvs? And... So,
5: yeah, that's exactly what we do. And I mean, um, I then sort of, we both actually listen back, and but after a while, not the same day, you know, yeah, like a week yeah. later, listen back, and we've just found that there's been really awesome material, you know, every few minutes there'll be something that really stands out, yeah. and then we um, develop it.
3: Uh, okay, so you do go back and kind of
5: <laughs> and make adjustments hone it. and hone it, yeah. And then, I mean, I, you know, I've been on Sibelius, Working with stuff, you know, so getting my composer's hat back on, really. But, yeah, it's really fun, and I love it. And it's, you know, I found that, because song for me was a really, like, a really brilliant way to be more um, authentic in my expression. And I'm finding this is almost like an equivalent, but with non-song. Okay, yeah.
3: I mean, Um, voice is a key part of what you do so yeah. is this like kind of tickling another
5: yeah it's really, scratching another it's really itch. interesting for me it's like i'm able to do with song you know channel something very instinctive and mm. coming very much from nothing too cerebral I'm, a, I'm able to do that with um instrumental music now yeah with the process we've got so i'm re- i mean it's early days but it's yeah. it's really fun and we're already creating something for this Gursky ex- exhibition yes. in, at the Hayward it's is Naples, the reopening so. of the Hayward, isn't yeah. it?
3: Um, uh, what What's the brief maybe that they, they've given you?
5: Um, just to make a 15 minute piece for like a bunch of of players that reflects one of his pictures or, or elements see, of lots I of see. his pictures, you know, just something which Is a response to his work really. Have you
3: been given a specific picture to respond to?
5: Um, We've chosen one. Okay. Yeah.
3: And uh, and, and yeah, how are you interpreting that? Like, kind of conceptually, that's. uh, You could either get really quite technical about it, I guess. You could Mm. find ways of using the lines as like a graphic score or whatever it might be. But what's your approach?
5: Well, we. It's, we're just doing the, the process that I just described, which is just m- mindfully improvising mm. and with the image in mind, not even looking at it. Yeah. But, you know, that so far has kind of thrown up some material we really like.
3: Emily sent me this little rough recording of one of the Mandel improvisations. On returning to the house, we caught up with Dave, David Shepherd, who is Emily's husband. He's a sound designer, and both of them have done a lot of collaborating with each other in the past. So we spoke a bit about that. Uh, just stood around the kitchen table having a coffee. That is a very fresh kitten.
5: That's so adorable.
6: Yeah.
5: Okay, cool.
3: Did did you and Dave know each other professionally before?
5: Uh, We have slightly different stories, Uh like versions of
3: how we met. Oh, as in your stories don't line up? His story is that we met when he was teaching me on a (laughs) course. My
5: story is that he was doing the sound for my opera. So it's just different in in um, each other's heads.
3: He didn't make an impression on you
6: until
4: later. (laughs)
3: Uh, oh, yes. thank you. Dave works as a sound designer and he often tackles big projects like Stockhausen's Helicopter Quartet he's done it twice now once in Birmingham, once in Paris that's what you're hearing underneath here he talks a bit about that and then we discuss some of their collaborations together how to mic up a string player inside a helicopter and the rotor blades because you have to capture the sound of the
1: rotor blades and other sounds but you've got to isolate the sounds as well So that's insane and then beam it down, and then send a click track up. And that's yeah, it's fun. I'm <laughs> yeah. the not That was great. I mean, I got the flat head. That's pretty lot. cool. So yeah, it was fun, isn't not it? Because we had to do a test flight before the, each show, so I went up for the test flight. And I said, is there any football on today? And he's like, oh, I'm not sure. So we just flew it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
4: <laughs> yeah, <look. laughs>
1: I mean, you know, it's a funny piece, but it's, it's the drama of it and the voyeurism of it that makes it... 'Cause the audience yeah. are inside the console, they're not out there looking up at helicopters, it's all filmed. So right. they meet the quartet, the quartet are then taken off in the truck, which is yeah. in film. Okay. And you see them getting strapped in and then helicopters go up one by one and then you hear it and then you see inside the cockpit. It's yeah. about what you're watching and listening to and the experience of having met the quartet. And at the end they come back and they're interviewed. Okay. So it's a whole experience and that's why it's successful. Yeah. If you just put on the CD of it, you'd be honest. yeah, Really? Do I have to listen to
4: that? Yeah.
3: What's on the plate at the moment?
1: Uh, so I am working on some more new sounds for Em's piece out into. Yes. It's got yes. these um, soundscapes, so I'm just remaking some of those. Cool. The performance
4: that's
3: coming up soon. Um, Out Into is getting its second performance on the 8th of March at South Tipperary Arts Centre.
5: It was originally written for Crash Ensemble um, for a festival that, that um, Bryce Desner puts on in Cork. It's with Ender Walsh, mm. who Dave has worked with a lot. He's a playwright, playwright, playwright. I think that's what he's, really he's do. Done a lot, of, and a director, and he's done a lot of opera. Yeah. And Dave's Collaborates with him on a lot of opera and I've written this piece which is songs but we're now kind of working to kind of make it less narrative and the sound design is kind of making it less linear but also making it more real in in the sort of theatre way. Yeah you know
1: Ender's very keen on things being emotive if it's the sound of waves or wind it sounds like that. And you mm. feel like that's what they're there and they're there for a purpose rather than them cleverly and beautifully sort of yeah. emerging. Sort of Textual text yeah, less so less like, like, originally. Yeah.
5: It's about a woman who is forced to leave her home.
3: Why is she forced to leave her home and what's the journey that she goes on?
5: It sort of starts from where she ends up, which is a foreign country, in some kind of temporary housing. And, and she's sort of re, she's reliving the journey where she has to leave her home. Okay. So it's sort of non-narrative and it's, it's as much about kind of recollecting and memory as it is about kind of loss and it's a it's well, pretty it's, sad piece, is actually.
3: It's <laughs> <Isn't> a <laughs> sad it? thing about it. Yeah. So uh, how have you approach the writing then?
5: Ender wrote this sort of body of text yeah. and I kind of created lyrics from it.
3: Uh, okay, mm-hmm. I guess, do work from the lyrics first and then go into the kind of instrumentation that's involved?
5: Yeah, it was, the songs came first. Yeah, yeah.
3: and because um, I, haven't, I haven't heard the music,
4: so i can't really say, have, have an opinion on it, it might be rubbish, <laughs> <the line. laughs>
5: but um, yeah. what's the
3: evolution of the piece like? It's starting at the end of a story.
5: The beginning and the end are the same. Noticing the quietness in the middle of the day, in the middle of the house, that's how it starts. Writing it, I sort of project it onto my house and imagine being in the middle of the house and then leaving out the back door, walking up the valley, walking, walking. It
3: seems seems like nature's actually quite integral, like a theme in in your music, even if it's not explicitly so. It just sort of feels quite organic and... Uh, Folliot has sort of that yeah. nature interaction, yeah. and this piece sounds like you know there's maybe a, a more literal thing now with its new new change. Yeah. Is it is it something to do with just who you are? Or is it something to do with kind of living here?
5: I, yeah, I, do, I don't know. I think it's um, maybe just from working in stories. Yeah, not, like Folliot is set. They live in a little farmhouse. It's about this couple who become obsessed with a pylon that was very much about man-made as opposed to nature. So nature was a big part of that piece as well. Mm.
3: And folio de means.
5: It's a madness of two, literally. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's a particular psychosis where two people believe the same delusion.
3: It's a brilliant starting point for... Yeah, parenting. and that was yeah.
5: thanks to my friend Lisa, Dr. Lisa Conlon. She's, she's a psychiatrist and she, she had come across patients with this. And she she said to me, you know, got to write an opera using this. Yeah, it was a brilliant um, t- sort of template for a story because there's also very specific phases of that psychosis and, of, you know, it and affected two people. So it's like, you know, an exaggeration, the sort of exaggeration as well that you, that I feel is often required for opera, you know. So they, they get obsessed with this electricity pile, basically. Yeah. And then he he climbs it mm-hmm. and, and dies. Yeah, it's sad. <laughs> it so, I thought
4: we're a full
3: So the musical backbone of Folia d'E is this really special harp that Dave and Emily modified called the electromagnetic harp. And here they are talking about how that functions, where the idea came from. It's also the instrument that we're gonna be using later on to make our piece together. Did the pylon instigate the idea of creating this instrument?
5: Yeah, basically yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah,
1: I mean I wanted to the sound for the pylon.
5: Yeah.
1: And the sort of starting point for that was the idea of the 50 hertz cycle that you hear when you hear a buzz from electricity. So you wanted something that could generate that as a sort of electronic sound, but you'd already wanted to write for harp.
5: Yeah, I already had a harpist on board, so that was quite good, it was quite yeah. limiting. So then it was like, right, how can we make this harp sustain like a, um, you know, an like electricity hum?
1: The idea of the... Um, Ebo on the guitar, so mm. this device that makes a metal string automatically vibrate. If it's a little thing that's got to pick up, it sees what the vibration is of the string and then it sends that vibration as a magnetic force of that frequency, so the cycle is continuous, so it just feeds back and we just get what normally would just be a plucked sound, being something that starts from nothing and becomes continuous. So what actually happens is we have a computer that tells the magnets what frequency they're vibrating at, okay. which is what the strings are tuned to. Yeah. If you have the ability to turn on and off that message, that that literally that audio signal which goes to the magnet that yeah. vibrates it, you can play it. So that's what we have. So we have a computer that has the frequencies being generated to every string. Another lovely feature that Emma asked for, which there's a moment where all the oscillators that are going to the magnets go up and down, use a low frequency oscillator to oh. change the tuning. So what happens is the the strings go in and out of being audible. Which piece is that?
3: Can, can that be heard on one of these?
5: Yeah, I mean, probably quite a few of them. We um, get it effect. in wonderful things, actually, in the chorus.
4: The strings of their hearts play in tune with the heart of the universe, so
3: It's
6: saying such wonderful things.
5: You also get it in the in the prelude. I... Um, at the end of the prelude, it you get the oscillation.
3: Maybe we should go in there I think so, and yeah. set it up and. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. I'm excited to hear it now. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, I was excited earlier. <laughs> we moved on into Emily's writing room where Dave set up the harp, tuned it up for us, and you can hear that in the background as we discuss a few more things before getting down to making some music. I was listening to an interview you did for that composer's room, BBC Three oh thing. Oh my god, yeah. And actually, she totally brought that up different. about, like, I mean, what is it? A composer's space says so much about the person. and I mean, I thought, like, yeah, I guess up to a point, but also, like, if someone came into my room, I'd, f- I'd feel an edge. Like, what are you deducing <laughs> from, an, I don't know, that pair of socks on the floor? Yeah, like, I know, it's not a pressure. Yeah. Bit. And I thought your answer was great because you're like, no, I like a neutral space. I want to work and be sort of, um, like, not not distracted. Yeah. Is that right? Is that what, roughly what you said? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm
5: not a very nostalgic person, so. I can't imagine what if I was to have something on the wall I can't imagine yeah. what that would be that would be so inspiring that it would inspire every piece yeah every day it's, it's just like without this picture. Yeah, exactly. without, <laughs> or that object no, like... <laughs>
3: without my Pokemon <laughs> Pikachu I just I couldn't exactly. imagine no. how my life would be <laughs> but one thing you did say actually in that um, interview amongst many things uh, you talked about the music that you were writing is very far away from the music that you were actually listening to and loved. And I thought yeah, that was quite interesting and sounds like it was a bit of a change around moment for you.
5: Yeah, that was around about time I wrote Life Cycle actually, okay. that I had this, Yeah. this, there was this disconnect between the music I was listening to and the music I was, the musical world that I was inhabiting.
3: Yeah. And Is it because of... Academia and coming through that road, that you've you kind of feel like a pressure to do a certain style, and actually a lot of the time, what you want to do is the stuff that you're listening to, and you kind of try and separate those two
5: things. Yeah, I, th- I think I think while I was studying and while I was like listening and going to concerts in a certain world, there was a big emphasis on originality to the point that it was suffocating the actual music mm. and there was too much value in the academicness of it rather than how much you were moved yeah you know yeah. and that's that for me just reached the point of um, I kind of I just like, I remember saying to my friends, you know, right, I'm leaving contemporary classical music, you know, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> But okay. I didn't, because it's moved on as well, and, yes. you know, lots of people have felt the same, have felt that it's, you know, and, like, I don't know, I was studying at a time when it was still, I don't know, a lot of the academic stuff were quite, you know, ageing, and they were from a whole, like, era of boulas and... Mm. you know of this kind of people creating music within an academic environment and And
3: seeing only as you say like the value in this thing that's supposed to be original and challenging but you know why can't something be enjoyable and accessible at the same time like for people who are just there to purely enjoy music rather than to study it or
5: yeah exactly um, yeah but I do think that that part of my experience is, you know, has defined, you know, I'm, I'm not, mm. I don't want to reject it entirely because I think it does, it, you know, it's all part of how I write still yeah. in some way.
0: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care.
3: All right, let's make some music. Are
5: we going to improvise? Should we just do it without too
3: much chat? This is our first improvisation. Emily's playing the harp and sending it all through my laptop, which is going through Ableton and a bunch of effects. Apologies for the little glitches you're hearing. My laptop wasn't having the best time. For those of you that are interested in this sort of thing, I had with a few built in Ableton plugins like Erosion and, uh, and Autopan, which actually you're actually hearing a bit of there. I'm also quite into Sound Toys plugins at the moment. I had uh, some Delay set up and uh, Crystallizer, which you'll hear some of later. hope Sound Toys give me free stuff now. Go for another one. Yeah, um, yeah, I
5: think we should just do lots of little 10 minute ones. That's, that sounds great, that yeah. Suits me. And we'll,
3: I think one of them's going to be like, yeah, that's, you know, this. Yeah. That's I, but I'll there was
5: stuff play. in that I liked. Oh, yeah, too. Um, there was something quite organy about at the beginning, which
3: yeah. was nice. Yeah. I think it's my new favourite instrument. <laughs> 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 I'll have
5: to let you have a play on it as well. Um,
3: I'd love to have a go. I think maybe
5: like maybe an interesting challenge we could set ourselves as well. Maybe for this one, Mm. I don't know what you think, but I suppose the natural thing is for it to start quite empty and sparse, and Mm -hmm. then to get fuller and fuller. Yes. I just wonder if we could do a piece where that doesn't happen. Yeah, I totally. Where we somehow its content remains fairly like the same. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Rather than it building and building, it is just such a classic thing, isn't it? Just like start small, and then when
5: it gets yeah. like you can't make it any louder,
3: then that's the end, yeah.
5: Yeah, I, I mean, that'd be quite a fun thing for us to both be thinking of while we're, I like while that we're improvising. I like that a lot, yeah. That's cool. As long as we have that thought in our mind, we'll just mm. hopefully we'll be, we'll make sure we get stuff out of the way before we introduce another idea, for example, okay, yeah. Yeah, and I suppose the other thing about this instrument is, you know, the drones, the low
4: drones.
5: Mm. Maybe this time we should start with, well, start with the drones, but in a rhythmic way, maybe? Yes,
3: yeah, I was wondering if you, yeah, like, if you're, how responsive well, it can marine. be, well, that, or yeah. if you can find a rhythm, kind of, that works with it, or something like that. It'd
5: be fun to, to have, like, a kind of sequence of doing the faders. Yeah which maybe might lead to some kind of rhythmic thing. That's really beautiful actually, should we start with that? Yeah, let's start with that. Let me just start this recording. Because actually it's more responsive than I thought.
3: So this is the very beginning of our second improvisation. We used this as the main thing, we did a few more after that and it didn't quite have the same feel to them. So you're not actually going to hear all of this because you may as well just hear it in its completed form later on. What I will play you is small bits of discussion that we had about certain little musical moments. I'm going to jump now basically to just after that 20-minute improv. I, I really, like that. really enjoyed that. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. It felt wholesome. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs>
5: It was funny actually, because after a while I didn't know what I was doing, and I didn't know what you were doing. I was like, whoa, this sounds amazing. No, Ben's doing
3: that. Oh, I know what you mean. They did sort of cross over a bit, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. All I did was I just let that thing go on for ages. Yeah. Which is easy. What
5: was that thing?
3: It was like a frozen snippet out of something that you'd done. And it just smoothly looped it, and you yeah. know, I was, I was sort of. That was it. Yeah, that was nice. And I could do something
4: on top of that. Doing the yeah. pluck
3: stuff was lovely. Yeah. There's a few notes that, are, like, slightly out, but like a really interesting yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was definitely. just like, oh god, get that one again. Yeah, or maybe it's just. <laughs> no, no. Again. <laughs> no, I
5: know, I know the one exactly. <laughs> yeah. And there's a quarter tone in that I forgot because it's a harmonic series. I always say the okay. The F. Yeah. Is quarter tone flat? Which is actually quite exciting when it happens. So how long a piece do you want?
3: Um, how many pieces do you think people wanna to listen to? that's a good but, question. Um, I
5: think but I mean I do think that this instrument, because it's a drone instrument, it does lend itself towards longer than shorter. Yeah. I, that's not true. being indulgent, but it's just no, true. You're it's right, it's actually. not the sort of thing that you just sort of yeah. hear a three minute piece on. It's just because it, it is so droney. I wonder if we should listen to it. Yeah. What see what works and then try and do another improvisation but with a kind of plan in our heads, okay? Yeah, Should we try that. Should we yeah, no, that sounds great. Um, listen, lunch, yeah, and then do a more structured improvisation.
3: Okay, hope you can follow along. We're just going to jump around a bit, listening back to the track.
5: I love how cello y it sounds, yeah. yeah, it does, doesn't yeah,
3: it? Yeah, I love that. sharp. bit of vibrato on it,
5: it's nice having. A melodic moment for the EMH. Yeah. Almost like a sort of little solo kind of Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not chordal here, it's like a sort of line. Yeah. Which I think is really nice. That's uh, the F sharp. Yeah
3: that's lovely. And uh, this this sort of thing is it's a nice counter part to the plucked stuff.
6: Yeah. So
4: That's lovely. But I love
5: all the little birdy things you're doing at the top.
3: Yeah, it's really nice. That's fun. Love it. We might
5: end up keeping this section.
3: Yeah, I think actually from here to the end we'll need not a whole lot of tweaking, and we can reuse right. that. Do you yeah, agree? Yeah. Yeah.
5: Probably. Yeah.
3: This um, maybe we didn't end in the most clean way, but well, we'll see.
5: Yeah. That's the thing. It has to be a, a, a an expansive piece, yeah. doesn't it? I mean, do you yeah. know what I mean? With this instrument, you can't yeah. just. Do you yeah. know what I mean? The sound world we're in. It's like it's it's mellow. It's you know.
3: Yeah. I find. Uh, there is a there is a calming sort of hypnotic nature to a lot of your music, particularly in fully and funny, and, uh, and and this instrument. Yeah. Has probably been key to like that.
5: Definitely, definitely. Energy.
3: Yeah, yeah I feel very zen. Mm-hmm. This lovely. It's quite. It's. I think
5: the first is quite a nice way to end it
3: might Get rid of that chorus effect. There's something quite sort of almost uh, sitarish about that
5: yeah, string. Yeah, there is, yeah. It's really, it's really it's cool, it's, and what I love like about it is it's. I mean, it, yeah, you can actually. That, that's the most rhythmic thing about this harp, actually, is, is the oscillation. Yeah. Funnily enough, and the buzz. <laughs> Do you feel like it's lunchtime? Yeah, yeah. I
3: think that's good, yeah. <laughs> We didn't really talk too much about the Sinfonietta piece earlier. Yeah. You and Misha, Misha Law,
5: as Mandel, you're
3: writing together. We're writing
5: together. That's an
3: interesting one actually to have two composers.
5: Yeah. Is that that the dynamic that you've set up? It's new for me because I'm I'm a real like, I always collaborate. What I'm really enjoying is the fact that I'm collaborating with another creative composer. So I'm really enjoying it, and like when I when I was asked to write for the London Sinfonietta, I was like, I'm not sure I want to do this, but then I was like, great, it's a great opportunity for me to try this, try and take t- t- what we do to to you know more composed level. Over the last sort of 18 months, I have actually had quite a few commissions for. Ensembles. Yes. Although there's been something missing for me with with the process and even the result, Uh I've not been quite happy with what I've done.
4: Yeah.
5: Which was why I questioned even taking on the commission when I was, which was why I wanted to turn it into something which was like in line with where I am at. Yes. You know. Yeah. Sometimes it's difficult when you're a composer and you have to earn a living and people ask you to do really cool projects. Mm and you kind of go yeah but actually is it right for you creatively at the moment yes yeah, you know and it's really hard to, to make that call sometimes
3: yeah oh that's cool what's the date of this when's
5: uh fourth of april, 4th of april. Yeah. and also scanner is doing a piece in the same figure as me Brilliant. so that'll be quite yeah. nicely contrasting i think with what yeah. i do
3: I I mean I'm curious about sort of your relationship with um, Bedroom Community, what your thoughts are on on them as a label because personally one of the best labels out there for me at the moment. Where did that start, your kind of involvement with them?
5: I guess probably like you it started with just really liking what what they put out. And I was quite attracted to them just because, you know, there was this sort of America contingent. And I think there was a moment where I felt almost a bit more connected to the American scene than I did to the British scene. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's less kind of, you are classical, you are, you are, you, you know, there's less sort of, cat, there was much more free flow. Yes. There wasn't this kind of need to say, this is serious, this isn't serious. Yes. It was just like, it, this is music. And obviously there's... Nico and Nadia and...
3: That's Nico Muli and Nadia Sorota. Nadia actually makes a podcast called Meet the Composer, which is brilliant and well worth checking out. So if you're here, you're probably going to enjoy being there too.
5: I really like what they put out. And then when it came to Fully, that it was an opera commission, and I was like, I really want to do an album right now, so I'm going to make this like a, a concept album yes. slash opera. Yes which was quite, well, it was quite a limitation, but it was a good, positive, creative limitation. So, you know, the album is, is, is the opera. It's not a different, it's the same. Yeah, so basically it was just a question of, I mean, it's always, like, you you make an album and then you have to find it at home. And then, luckily, you know, that was up for taking it yeah so. and
3: it's a really good home for it the thing I like about what they do and I think I read this somewhere with the classical, classical music and their approach to recording it and producing it like a lot of the time it's just, just stick up a stereo pair in a room and, and just <laughs> yeah. capture like it just seems yeah. like documenting but what they do uh, it's more considered in terms of production and that Definitely, kind of thing yeah, and they you know they see that as yeah. part of it almost like it's
4: part of the orchestration yeah. or something like that yeah. Yeah.
6: loneliness is a word for another song they
3: About the the creatives and collaborators involved. Yeah.
5: And not, and not forget,
3: yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, Sophia Jernberg, yeah soprano, incredible. See, I only heard heard her st- like singing on your album, and I went to check out some oh, more okay. stuff, and she's I was su- so surprised because she's got this beautiful, sweet voice, yeah. and then on on YouTube I saw some like crazy extended um, techniques stuff, yeah. and I was like. This yeah. woman
5: fantastic. She's, <laughs> yeah, she's completely unique. She was involved even before we had the story actually. So I knew I was writing for her. You know, we'd done some workshops. And this, it was still going to be polyurethane, but it was going to be about insects. Mm. And she was doing all these kind of crazy insecty noises. And mm. things. But anyway, then we—I couldn't actually bear that the insect thing that was just too creepy. Okay. Yeah. You know, as an album, it would just be so uncomfortable. Mm. You know, and that was really important to me that people didn't feel uncomfortable.
3: No. <laughs> Although know, there is a certain air of tension in the heart yeah, like, yeah. like an off kilter
5: yeah there is but just something as you know you know the idea that there's sort of parasite on you is such a I contagious know, idea, idea yeah. you know that yeah. I just thought it would just be a really unpleasant experience yeah. but that was like I ditched that before and then we got to on board, yeah. and then that's where we came up with
3: the pylon together with it. Yeah. The... yeah, once the idea of the pylon was in place, I guess it. Yeah. The rest fell into place
5: from there. Yeah, 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 they just all happened. And then brilliant the tenor, idea. Alan Clayton, yeah, he's completely amazing. And he's like probably like <laughs> the top tenor. Yeah. <laughs> at the moment in the country, you know, he's completely amazing, and he's he's got such brilliant music taste. The
3: highlight for me is, is yeah. Mantra, which kind of encapsulates. It is the moment where their their madness is yeah. yeah,
5: yeah. Well, I. Like, I mean, I obviously got vocoders. Yeah, yeah. So both singers um, sing through vocoders. So, yeah, and I love vocoders. Mm. But I want to spend more time with vocoders. They're so so much fun. Yeah. Like
3: across the whole album, I love the the electronics. They're really tasteful. It just
5: feels like a very modern
3: album. This is The Incredible Mantra. going to fade into later on in the track so you can hear a bit of Miracalix's electronics. Are
4: you
1: producing as well?
5: Yeah, I just make stuff so mm-hmm. I'm able to do. I just, I know how to do certain things and then I just uh, work with them rather than having lots and lots of tools at my fingertips. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. Just because I really, I'm less inquisitive about technology than maybe some people, so I do mean if something sounds good, I'll just work with that a lot. I, I really, really like working with those mm. I find it really creative.
3: This is a really cool bit of Emily's production from Folie One of my favourite electronic moments in the whole album is a track called Scream. Emily and I continue to chat over lunch, and we actually start to talk about a really important topic, which is women in music and the barriers that women face. I've actually decided to put that out as a separate episode. It's also available on iTunes and SoundCloud and all those different places. I think it just needs to stand alone, really. You'll hear a bit more of her music, but it's quite an in depth chat, and I think it's important to kind of give it its own space and to get Emily's insights on the topic. And all that's left to do now is to listen to the piece of music that Emily and I wrote together. Here it is. thanks so much for listening to this episode I know it's a bit of a long one so if you stuck it out to the end, cheers I had a really awesome time with Emily we'd never actually met before and she was instantly so welcoming and friendly she's such a lovely person and a really talented music maker so a huge thanks to her and to Dave for being part of the episode, you can keep up with all her projects on her website emilyhall.co.uk her twitter is Emily Hawley, which is E-M-I-L-Y H-A-L-L-Y you can find out more about excuse the mess at etmpodcast.com also on twitter etmpod facebook and instagram get in touch if there's something you want to say i'd really love to hear from you and uh yeah thanks for listening it's very much appreciated i hope to have you back for episode number four that's coming out in a few weeks till then take very
4: good care